you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, this is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. Thank you, thank you very much. Everyone have a seat. We certainly appreciate you guys coming by. Thank you for being here. As always, we're in our 14th year, over 1,400 episodes, and we're heading to 1,500. We can't even keep up what's going on. So if you're not sharing the show out, uh, shame on you. Shame on you. Ooh. Yeah, just you in the back there over there, whoever you are, wearing the white shirt. Uh, no, <laughs> we love you guys, uh, but we're pumping out a lot of great stuff. Uh, I think later tonight we have uh, the captain of uh, the USS uh, the USS uh, Teddy Roosevelt. I think Theodore Roosevelt uh, on that was on the show and he wrote a book called surf something. And uh, we talk about his uh, being relieved of command at COVID. And when he walked off the ship, his, uh, his crew stood and uh, praised him and uh, gave him a standing ovation and chanted his name when he left. And we have some interesting stuff that came out of that. Cause if you remember, that was a whole kerfuffle back then. Uh, some other great stuff. We just had, uh, I think on Monday, someone from the U S uh, department of justice on, so you might have heard some rumblings about what they're up to. They're, they're always up to something, that Department of Justice. But there, there seems to be no end of crime in the world. So if you haven't, uh, basically what we're selling here, people, is if you haven't referred the show to your family or friends or relatives, I'm uh, applying guilt upon you to go and go forth and recruit people to subscribe to Chris Foss Show. <laughs> Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss. YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss. LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, the big LinkedIn newsletter. And TikTok, where we're trying to be cool. And it's not working. Today, we had an amazing gentleman on the show. He's come here to tell us about uh, a book about his father. And uh, it's called The Wisdom of Maury, Living and Aging Creatively and Joyfully. Boy, do I need this book because I'm 55 now. <laughs> Came out April 18th, 2023 by Maury Schwartz and his son, Rob Schwartz. Uh, he's on the show to talk to us about it today, and it's going to be very insightful. Uh, we'll get a little into uh, Maury and who he was here in a bit, and we'll hear it from Rob's uh, mouth. Uh, but he is the Rob is the son and editor of his father's book on aging, titled Wisdom of Maury. He has many years of experience as a journalist film and music producer and entrepreneur he's founded a number of companies both in japan and the u.s don't worry don't worry got a why flood that flood the whole sticks line there and he held executive positions and others he's produced numerous film and music projects with international teams his areas of expertise include the entertainment industries in asia the u.s and europe his projects often have a special emphasis on music film online business development developing musical artist careers in addition he's been reporting for billboard magazine in asia since 2007 he's also one of the producers of one topia a benefit music festival slated for may 2024 well we probably wait that's next year huh wow is it gonna be 2024 okay well i'm just keeping up here rob welcome to the show it's a wonderful to have you 
Thank you so much. Wow, that's some introduction. <laughs> yeah, you well, you've got a lot going on there. There you go. Uh, I was just thinking. I was thinking like May. Wait, that was last month. And I'm like 2024. Oh, and that's actually been revised. We're probably going to hold it in August 2024. So. More than a year from now. I'm still back in 2022. So welcome to the show. Give us a .com where people can find out more about you on the interwebs, please. Well, for this book, Wisdom of Mori, the Wisdom of Mori, we have a uh, website, wisdomofmori.com. For the festival that you mentioned, the Benefit Festival, which is going to be a huge music event for mental health, all the profits, all the money will go to mental health groups, is onetopia.com. That's O-N-E-T-O-P-I-A.com. Um, and yeah, that, those are the two main sites right now. There you go. So give us a 30,000 uh, view overview of the book. Sure. So, um, this is an interesting book because my father actually wrote it between 1988 and 1992. So quite a long time ago mm -hmm. after he retired from being a professor at Brandeis university, where he was pretty much universally loved by his students. And then he, um, was kind of forced to retire. I can tell that story. Back in those days, when you turned 70, universities were like, you're out the door, but it's not like that anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So um, since he was forced to retire, he was like, wow, um, you know, I never really thought of myself as an elderly person, but it's sort of foisted on him now. So he was thinking about what was important in, in you know, aging, and he wrote down of a lot of ideas, and uh, he came up with this manuscript, and then he got ill, and that journey is described in Mitch Albom's Tuesdays with Maury, which is a mm. you know gigantic bestseller, 18 million copies, five mm. years on the bestseller list. So um, that was actually written after the book that we have now, The Wisdom of Maury. But this book is just being published now. It sat in his desk drawer for a long time. And then I discovered it, rediscovered it, and realized, like, wow, I should really get this out. There's a lot of great ideas. There's lots of examples and stories about people who, you know, who are doing all kinds of incredible things at different stages of their life. So it's a really inspiring book. There you go. What, and evidently, this really struck a chord. Uh, you know, Tuesdays with Maury, uh, conversations, and, and uh, I, some of his, is the right word, idioms? Or some of his aphorisms, aphorisms, aphorisms. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, uh, why why do you think that uh, struck such a chord with so many people? Uh, well, I mean, you know, to put it really bluntly, my father was very insightful. He he mm -hmm. was an academic, but he didn't let like sort of academic jargon, you know. Um, filter through his thoughts. He really had very clear ideas, very clear values, really valued all the people around him. And, you know, mm -hmm. he communicated that really clearly. I mean, Tuesdays with Maury is a very slim book. I don't know if you've read it or not, but it's it mm -hmm. would you could read it in a day. It's literally that kind oh. of book you can fly through in a day. And Mitch wrote it that way on purpose, which is great. He was very smart about it. And it really, you know, took off. The current book, Wisdom of Moria, is a lot more of a deeper dive, right? The, mm -hmm. the thoughts are much more fleshed out. There's like, you know, a lot of writing and stories, and he uses newspaper articles and stuff. But basically, my I think, you know, if I'm going to put it really simply, my dad's ideas speak to people. They, they understand what he's trying to say, and he's really trying to help people. You know, that was kind of his whole deal in life. He was a sociology professor, but he was also a therapist. He co-founded a group in, in the Boston area for personal growth, which was called Greenhouse in the 70s. And, you know, he really, his life mission was really to help people. 
There you go. So, so what was, let's talk about his upbringing. What shaped him or what, but maybe contributed him to have that sort of uh, slant or look in life? Sure. Well, actually, it's funny you should ask that question because there was one incident in his childhood which really did shape his personality. So, um, my father was um, raised in New York City, struggling family, but actually doing kind of well in sort of the early 20s. They were able to open a candy store. And my grandmother was an educated person from Austria. And she had like a degree from the back in the old country. And even though English was like her third or fourth language, she was teaching in the public school system. And she was like doing all the books for the candy store. And she was instrumental in running it. And very sadly, she got tuberculosis. And she died when my father was eight years old. So that, that losing his mother at such a young age really had this gigantic impact on him and made him incredibly sensitive to, to the suffering of Hmm. other people. And that was sort of the theme throughout his life to identify, to empathize with everybody. You know, as you well know, we all have our own struggles. You think somebody has a perfect life, but you have no idea what they're going through. We all have our own struggles and that's the modern world. And my father was really attuned to that because he lost his mother at such a young age. And then they lost the candy store and they became really like desperate and they had to leave Manhattan and go and live in the Bronx. And, you know, they were really dirt poor for for a long time. So my father had that experience. He's also kind of American, you know, success story. He raised up from the lowest rungs of society to be a, you know, respected professor at university. So he really jumped up in the social mobility, as they say. There you go. So as a son, uh, what was it like growing up with him? Tell us a little bit about your oh, story. I mean, this, this is funny you. because I, I, you know, when your dad is your dad and, but I had always had these students coming up to me. My dad was a professor at Brandeis telling me like how amazing my father was and how lucky I was to have him as a dad. And when you're a kid, you know, when you hear that sort of thing, you think like, yeah, sure. Whatever, sure. dude, you have no idea. Right. But in retrospect, as an adult, I realized that they were actually correct. He was an incredible father. He always showed up. He was incredibly loving and supportive. I mean, I can barely, I don't think I have any memory of him ever being angry. I mean, I have a couple of stories that maybe it's like, okay, he was was not pleased with me at some point. But um, yeah, I don't really ever even remember him getting super angry. I mean, there was a there was a balance in my family. My mother was the disciplinarian, and he was the the you know the guy to take us back <laughs> good times. So that that did happen as well. But no, I mean, he was a wonderful father, really, really wonderful. And you know, his, it was really important to him to be there as a dad. What did? Did he have those sort of, uh, you know, things that he would think and and press upon you guys that were in the Tuesday book and in the book that you wrote uh, or you edited of his, uh, or or was that, was that something that shaped you when you were young? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, that's a really long story, right? Because he was my father for a really long time. Yeah. So you can tell a kid something and a kid is going to be like, oh, whatever. You know, certainly he's in, <laughs> in, impressing the value, his values on you. But as a kid, you're going to try and think of, you know, yeah, I'll, like, I'll whatever, go my way. But as a, you know, as you get older, you realize mm-hmm. the stuff that he's saying is pretty wise and, you know, mm-hmm. it, it would be a good thing to pay attention to it. So, but for sure, for sure, the way he raised me was, you know, imparting the values that he thought was important, always um, 
thinking about the people around you, always taking care of them, never judging them. You never know what journey they're on, you know, always being polite. I mean, these were values that I was raised with that a lot of our society has lost, right? Wait, you're supposed to be polite to people now? Exactly. I know it sounds so strange, doesn't it? I mean, especially with the online, people are so rude. Like, I oh, can't yeah. deal with Twitter. it at all. Like, okay, Twitter. Twitter's the worst. But even <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, well, Instagram is not so bad because it's all images. But uh, you know what I'm saying. The online yeah. comment sections is just oh, horrible, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's crazy. We've been on YouTube for like, I don't know, 15, 16 years or something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to all the comments on that. Right, I mean, don't but, read the comments, basically. You do uh, a great show, don't bother reading the comments because there's going to be somebody who's got something nasty to say. You know that. The funny thing is we get checks from YouTube, so I always is like, you know, when people want to insult me, I'm just like, you just pay me like five cents to insult right. me. Like, how how dumb is that? <laughs> well, that's great for you. You're getting the last laugh. Yeah, I'm like, like, go ahead. Knock yourself out. Make some more exactly. comments. And, and, but you uh, got to wonder, what is that person getting out of it? The guy who writes the nasty comment about your show where you're trying to, like, you know, inform people. You're trying to entertain people. You're trying to do your best. You're not trying to hurt anybody. What is that guy getting out of it who's writing a nasty comment to you? Like, <laughs> I don't I don't get it. I do not understand that. I don't know. You know, I mean, yeah. he's living in his mom's basement, uh, and uh, he's yeah. he's never seen. I, I'm not going to do that joke, um, but uh, yeah, he's probably uh, still he's still got his virginity in place. So Deepak Chopra uh, wrote a, a good plug for the book. Um, nice. yeah. Give us some of the highlights of of uh, some of the top five secrets sure, uh, sure. your father so had. Yeah, so basically, we can break this book into two sections, mm -hmm. and in some ways, this is really aimed towards aging people, but in another way, there's a lot of fantastic advice for anybody of any age. Mm -hmm. So by two sections, I said, as I kind of explained in the introduction, my father never thought of himself as an aging person. And then after he was forced to retire from university, he was like, wow, that's the way society sees me. And he wasn't super comfortable with that. So he had yeah. to investigate his own mind. Like, why am I not super comfortable with this? And he realized like, how deeply ageist our society is like old people should just like go off and like die somewhere and, you know, not do anything. And this is just a ridiculous idea, right? People over a certain age have a lot of life experience, a lot of wisdom, a lot of stuff to share with people. Mm -hmm. So that was the first part of the book was sort of exposing ageism and the psychological impact it has on, on people who are aging. And he even created a, what would you call it, like a coinage, uh, his own word, which he called age casting which comes from typecasting, you know, the, uh -huh. the movie phrase typecasting, where like age casting is pushing old people into certain roles. Like you go sit on a park bench and that's all you can do, right? <laughs> and that's just as ridiculous as typecasting an actor is. So um, that was the first part of the book. Then the second part of the book is he has a lot of really practical suggestions for how to live more creatively and more vibrantly if you are aging. And like I said, I think we're all aging. A lot of these suggestions can apply to a lot of people because as I think you're well aware, we kind of have a crisis in our society mm -hmm. these days of like people don't have meaning in their life. They don't know how to connect to other people. The, despite the fact we're so connected digitally, we're really disconnected personally yeah, from people, right? So there's a lot of suggestions in this book. Some of them are, you know, more um, 
for aged people, but I would say pretty much all of them you can apply to anybody. So for example, you know, figure out what interests you. Like people need to be told this in this day and age. <laughs> figure out what interests you and pursue that. Don't just sit there and say like, I like trains or whatever. I like movies. Investigate it. Figure out how you can get involved with it. Join groups. Make connections with other people who are interested in the same thing. And make friendships with people. Don't sit in your basement and do nothing. <laughs> The more people you talk to, the more friendships you make, the richer your life is going to be. I mean, it sounds totally simple, but people actually need to read this and think about this in this day and age. And then there's a whole list. I mean, I could list off five or six things for people to do. If you want, we can run through them all right sure. now. Sure, I mean, sure. Okay, so that's one. Like, we'll piece it out. Yeah. You know, pursue what interests you and explore it and get involved in it and make new friends. Get involved with new people in your life. Getting involved mm. with new people is always going to make your life richer. Um, along those lines, my father, my father says, focus your energy. If you're thinking about a thousand things at once, you're going to be distracted and you're not going to be happy. Focus your energy on what's important to you, whether it's your family, whether it's your new interest, and pursue that. In the same way, and this is kind of uh, somewhat different, but similar in the same way, if you focus your mind, particularly through meditation, you're mm -hmm. going to be more calm. So meditation is a fantastic technique that, you know, doesn't have to have anything to do with religion. It's just mind training. You don't have to think about it in any sort of mystical, weird way. It's just mind training. And my father, you know, took up meditation back then in the 70s when it wasn't even oh, popular. And yeah. yeah, he was he was doing it way back then. And, uh, you know, it just helps you focus your mind and stay calm. And obviously that that can be used for anybody from any age. But I'll tell you, there are some incredible studies. There's this one study of seniors that that said, what did it say? People, seniors who meditate on average live 7.5 years longer than seniors who don't meditate. Isn't what? that incredible? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these studies. I better start meditating for sure. Yeah. These, these studies are out there. You can find them. Wow. The, you know, another way to keep uh, calm and, and uh, all that stuff that meditation gives you, like you said, uh, stay away from stupid people. But that's but, a little hard to do nowadays. But see, that's really hard to do in our society. I mean, I know you're making a joke, <laughs> yeah. but you can even expand it. Not only stupid people, but annoying people. There's yeah. people out there that are just annoying, yeah. right? And a lot of times we can't avoid them. You know? I never so meet them. But you I need think to find out a way to stay calm. Yeah. Right? I never meet annoying people, but I'm told that if I'm the smartest one in the room, it's probably me. So maybe that's true. <laughs> Wait. Uh, I mean, well, I envy you if you never meet annoying people. That's well, that means it's me, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't find you so annoying, but you know, give it there are me. a lot of people out there. So, <laughs> um, so let me see. Uh, There's meditation. Uh, I, I was going to run through all the rest of them. I think I have a few more. Let's see. Um, yeah, that that's pretty much the the main. Oh, and the, this one is a little bit more tricky because it's so sort of controversial in our society. But my father, I was aging. I mean, he wasn't part of any one religion. He wasn't religious in that sense. But mm -hmm. he said, you should develop a spiritual connection in whatever that means for you, whether mm -hmm. it's a traditional religion, whether it's something, as long as it has meaning for you, it doesn't matter what other people think. So yeah. like on top of all that, try and develop a spiritual connection because he thought that was very important for Definitely. people to feel fulfilled in their life.
Definitely. I'm an atheist, so we just worship Satan and, uh, you know, and whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know you're joke, making a joke. We don't, but we mean, don't worship Satan. We could talk about this for a long time because I studied philosophy, so we could, we could have some banter. I mean, you're an atheist, but, you know, I'll bet you feel some connection to everything else that's out there, whether the we have a name yeah. for it or not. You know? The universe, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. universe. Well, to and me, and uh, Snickers bars. Idea. Snickers yeah, bars. And uh, pizza. <laughs> and comedy obviously oh yeah well that's bad comedy but you know non-funny comedy that dies pretty much yeah. yeah and 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 this is this is good stuff you know you know what's interesting about uh these these axioms that your father had is 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 there is there timeless in a way you know i read a lot of stoicism marcus aurelius meditations oh, seneca right. And, oh, and other wow. things. And I, I'm so amazed at how, you know, the, a lot of this stuff was written back in, you know, at least, a, you know, 10 years ago or so. Uh, <laughs> or Roman a thousand times, years ago. Yeah. A thousand years ago or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, before or after that whole snake thing in the tree and uh, the two naked people. Um, but uh, it's amazing how much what they wrote back then and probably a lot of what your father covered, it, you know, these they're just these simple life axioms that, that, are so definitive and and they're timeless, you know. Right. Like like uh, you know, I'll sometimes read Seneca and I'll be like, was was he on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I totally agree with what you're saying, and I've read all that stuff too because I studied philosophy, particularly Seneca. It's interesting you should mention him because he is very much in line with my what my father said. Oh really? Like, well, well, you know, he's like live a quiet, serene life. Um, you know, don't go looking for trouble. That's that's kind of his thing, right? Yeah. You know? But uh, there's a lot of philosophers that are very important. And uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's timeless stuff. And I think that basically, my father wrote this book and really to try and address what keeps people from being happy. Because I think there's a lot of things you have to remember. My father was a social psychologist, so his his field oh. was like psychology and what 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 are people's troubles, you know. And he did he wrote really important academic work way back when. But this book was really written for everybody, so there's no academic jargon in it. Nothing like that is very direct, and he uses a lot of stories, stories from other people, newspaper articles and stuff, because he's trying to inspire people. He's mm -hmm. trying to be like, you can have, you know, all of this too. It's not just some guy off there. If you've turned 80 years old, there's absolutely no reason to think that your life is over. You can do whatever you want. You can start a new career. You can do whatever, you know. Yeah. I'm trying to get my mom. She's she's 80 now. I'm trying to get her to go out and uh, run marathons and stuff. She's got two new knees, so uh, I think she can. She's like the bionic woman. Wow. Well, I mean, that's physically, that's real challenging, but I'm sure she can do it if she puts no, her she, mind to it. <laughs> I don't think she's going to do that, but, but she is pretty, she's, she's pretty unstoppable. Like, I mean, just, she, she'll do like, you know, just anything. I, I remember one time she called me and she goes, she goes, I'm climbing up the tree to, to prune it or something. And I was like, oh, what do you mean you're climbing up the tree? You know? And she goes, ah, I got a ladder up against a tree. And I knew that the tree she was talking about was like a thin tree. <laughs> So it wasn't like a thick tree that could hold the ladder very well. Oh, and, and even then you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You've fallen a couple of times. She's, she's pulled a few suicide moves to see how far she can dive off, uh, off steps and stuff. And fortunately nothing's, everything bad has really happened. But, uh, you know, 
She, you just got to keep an eye. She still thinks she's 20 running around. So Right, right. Well, you raise a good point that, you know, you have to know your physical limits. Yeah, you have to know your physical So I think, I think marathons are out. But, uh, you know, it, but it's important. I mean, you know, all the things that she does, you know, I see all the gardening she does and all the work she does in her backyard and stuff. And I'm, and me, I live in Vegas, so everything's zero-scaped. So, I don't know, you go out and you put a drop of water on each plant, you know, once a week. And that's about right. it. You don't need, you don't need mow right. lawns or anything. Right. And so I see all the work she puts into it. And I'm just like, you should just zero escape, just mow that whole backyard down. But she, you know, it keeps her active she, and she loves it and she likes working on it. Um, and, yeah. you know, that's one of the, I think there's a thing about old people too, isn't there that I heard years ago that if you don't find something to do with yourself shortly after retirement, you tend to die off. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. It's kind of like thinking, you know, mm -hmm. the muscle, the brain is a muscle. It's like use it yeah. or lose it. It's like a foreign language. Yeah. Use it or lose it. So your life is like that too. If yeah. you don't use it, if you don't do anything, it disappears. You, you die. Yeah. So it's almost imperative that you develop yeah. new interests, that you put yourself out there. And I'll tell you one other thing that my father was really interested in. And again, this is whatever it means to you. You don't have to like think about it one way or the other way, but he's like, get involved with your community. See mm -hmm. what you can do to help your community, even if it's being, you know, a crossing guard for kids on the street or mm -hmm. working in the community center or whatever it is. Get involved with your community and whatever moves you to help your community because it's just a great feeling to help your community and people are going to be appreciative of what mm -hmm. you're doing. And, and in being a, a psychiatrist, psychologist? Well, he was a psychologist and a professor of social psychology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that probably gave him a lot of insight to issues people were having and challenges they were having and all that, all that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It did. Yeah. And I mean, we won't talk too much about the academic stuff because it's not really relevant here, mm -hmm. but he wrote this really important academic work in the fifties, which actually kind of defines his life work. So I'll tell you about mm -hmm. it very briefly. He wrote this book called the mental hospital, which was this study of a mental hospital and became this watershed work, which psychiatrists and therapists use for decades in training. Wow. And what he discovered was that the human relationships in any institution or basically in anybody's life are so important, not only like my relationship with you, like the patient's relationship with the doctor, obviously that's going to be important. But he found like if two nurses were fighting, that mm -hmm. would have like a big effect on the patient, even though they weren't fighting with the patient. So like what you surround yourself with, the relationships around you are going to have a big effect on you, whether or not they're directly your relationships or not. So basically the the, the wider message there was choose your situations and the people around you carefully. But this book was a huge success, and it's how my father became a full professor at Brandeis with it just immediately without going through all the process of it. And it really kind of defines his life work in some way. There you go. Uh, and uh, how did you find this manuscript? Because, I mean, uh, it it never come out yet before. Was That's there, right. was That's there a discovery right. process? Is it something where you find it in a box in the upstairs attic? Sure. I'll tell you the whole story. It's a bit long, so you have to bear with me. The The reason why I like to tell this story is because I, I was going back and forth between Asia and Boston, where my parents live. I had been traveling. And then one summer in 1989, I was in Boston for like three months and I talked with my father. It was while he was writing this book. 
So mm-hmm. I got all of his ideas. I, you know, I knew what he wanted to say, and we had talked all about the stuff. And then I moved to Japan, and I stayed there. And of course, I went back and forth while my father was ill. But I was living in Japan. I developed the journalism career and the entrepreneurial career that you alluded to in the beginning. And um, after my father passed away in '95, my mom kept the house, kept my father's study exactly as it had been. And I used to go back and forth, sit at his desk, write my magazine and newspaper articles. And mm-hmm. one day, yeah, one day in the early 2000s, I can't remember exactly when it was, 2002, 2003, I just pulled open a desk drawer and there it was, like bound, like with a big cover on it. And as soon as I opened it up and started looking at it, I knew exactly what it was because I had talked to him about it. If I had never talked to him about it, I would have been like, what the hell is this? You know, but I knew what it was. I knew that he had written it. I knew the ideas that he was trying to get across. And after Tuesdays with Maury, which was such a huge success, I knew we had an opportunity to like publish this. So of course there was a lot of editing and a lot of stuff I had to do. And my mother was heavily involved. I, I added a couple of essays into the book, and one of them discusses my mother's role in, in getting the book published and my father's uh-huh. work in general. Yeah. There you go. Team effort, family effort. It was. It, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hopefully it's as, uh, as successful as Tuesday, the Tuesday's book was. And, uh, <laughs> From and your lips to God's ears, as they say. And it'll inspire a lot of people. I mean, that's that's the real priceless value of of this work and uh, all that good stuff. Anything more you want to tease out of the book before we go? Um, Let me think. I mean, like I said, I think there's a lot there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think it's not such a thin book. So I think in some ways it might intimidate people. But I want to tell people it's really easy to read. And my father uses lots of stories from the real life, real life people and Mm -hmm. newspaper articles and stuff. And it, it actually is a real joy to read. So I think that, yeah, it can really help people. I'm really excited that we've gotten it out there. And now thank you for, for helping me publicize it. You know, There you go. And thank you for coming on the show and telling us about it. I'm probably going to need it because I'm 55, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just wake up every day and it's spin the wheel and choose your pain, basically. It's not too bad. But you but. seem pretty pretty hooked into what you're doing. You have a passion. So that's yeah. what's important. It's, it's mostly the coffee. Pretty much, it's, it's, a, it's all an act. It's all yeah, it's devil's you mouth. Can't coffee. stand doing a podcast. I, oh, I love it. my podcast. That's the only thing I love. Out of all the companies, uh, you know, I, I I started building companies when I was eighteen. Out of all the co- and people would come up to me in my companies, they'd be like, you know, it's so great you do something you love, and I go, I don't love this. I like being the CEO. Yeah, I like being absolutely. the guy. I like being the innovator. I like being an investor where I own these companies and and I make them work. And I I kind of like the juice of that. I mean, you could pay right. me. You could just give me a CEO or something and I probably do it for free. But my podcast is the first and only thing I've ever found that I really love to do. There you go. And I would, and it's, it's, you know, they say a lot of entrepreneurs I talk to, they find what they love to do. And they're like, I would do this for free. And this is one, the one thing I would do for free. I love it. That's and I awesome. love the guests like yourself that come on and the That's things awesome. I learned, I got a front row seat to ask questions that, yeah. Uh, you know, I see guests that are on TV and stuff and news print. And right. great you'll, you'll allow me to, uh, to say a couple of other things because you gave me that wonderful introduction as an entrepreneur. So let me talk about just briefly a couple of projects. So one thing we haven't mentioned is I have a, a online like, um, uh, um, VR, um, concert creation platform where we're oh, really? setting up a platform where yeah bands can perform in the virtual world and we have some amazing technology it's called mosh pit 
M-O-S-H-P-I-T. The website is moshpit.live. We're going to launch it very soon. And one of our uh, sort of goals, unlike other guys who are doing virtual concerts with, you know, massive stars, we're going to try and put the tools to do this in the hands of everybody. So smaller bands from all around the country and all around the world can can use our product and and get their concert out there, get their music out there with amazing visuals. And we have incredible sound. The guy who founded the company is actually an Emmy award winning, sorry, a Grammy award winning um, sound engineer in Los Angeles. So he's really huh. concerned with amazing sound. So that's Moshpit, moshpit.live. And as you also mentioned, um, I'm working on this benefit concert, this benefit festival, One Topia. It's going to benefit mental health. We're going to try and educate people about mental health. We feel there's a mental health crisis in this country. And so you can go to onetopia.com. It's going to be held in the summer of 2024. And hopefully, you know, you'll hear a lot about that. Lots of big big stars will will appear and and help us get the message out there you go i'd laugh because we need we need uh, more help for mental health i think all of yes. us pretty much need yes. a good psychiatrist well reach we'll reach out to you again man when this show is when one dopey is gonna come out <laughs> there you go there you go yeah we after after covid in the last two or three years we we all need a Yes. So we all need uh, psychotherapy pretty much. Some yeah, of us but, more than others. Uh, yeah. I won't name names. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. And I, I'm probably on that list too as well. But uh, this looks really cool. This mosh pit, uh, dot live. Yeah. Uh, my one friend, Robert Scoble, is a big uh, leader in, in uh, all things VR and AR. And, and uh, what do you think of that new Apple uh, thing that came out? It's, I think yeah, it's more I AR than anything. Apple, but. Right. I haven't seen the Apple headset yet. It came out a couple of days ago. I mean, certainly the thing that's been holding VR back, sort of everybody knows this, is the price, right? Yeah. You've got to buy a headset that costs three grand or four grand then it's not going to proliferate that quickly. And I think the Apple headset is pretty expensive. So I'm sure it looks great, but, you know, I think we need a product that's a little cheaper mm. than that to get it in people's hands. I mean, Moshpit.live, it's also going to be in 2D. You can just watch it on YouTube or whatever, but that's oh. not the way. We want people to watch it in VR and really experience it. So you need the headset for that, obviously. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I mean, anything looks good at thirty five hundred bucks. I mean, yeah. <laughs> let's hope. Anyway. The uh, it, it's crazy, but you know, if if anybody has the ability to really make something mainstream, it's Apple. I mean, they, you know, I they, they say podcasts. I remember we were doing podcasts for a long time, and and it seemed to fade off. And I'm like, well, maybe this is dying. And there was lot, you know, lots of other stuff. YouTube is really rising. And I'm like, well, maybe just videos more thing. And then, uh, Apple came out and, and like, we're going to do podcasts and, and cover them more and make an app for it and shit. And I was like, yeah, that's great, man. And all of a sudden we started getting these emails and stuff yeah. blowing up. And we, 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 we really hadn't produced anything for about two years. And all of a sudden I started getting these emails like, what, what's going why are you, people are downloading the podcast like it's all like old content mm. it was it was interesting and kind of funny i suppose but uh i was like what yeah and and then it just got out of control and i was just like well we better go do something over there because somebody's listened to something yeah and they just they just brought it uh, back to the forefront now it's you know it's huge oh, yeah. but um uh, you no, know, this is an Apple uh, a commercial, but, you know, we do know that, I mean, basically all of the major innovations that are really defining our life now were pushed forward by Apple. Of course, there's yeah. a ton of other companies that are equally as important now, but, you know, 
Steve hmm. Jobs created the smartphone, really. Yeah. And Steve Jobs created iTunes, which is the first, you know, online mm -hmm. music library. Before that, it was all pirated and only certain <laughs> people were, were participating in it. You know, Steve Jobs did all of these things. Apple did all these things. Yeah. Today, the company is quite different. But the effect that it's had on our life in the last 20 years is really immeasurable. And podcasts. I mean, yeah. that was an Apple thing, too, you know. Yeah. They they brought it all back, man. It's, it was it was it was slowing down, and it was you know people, and it, it really seemed like YouTube was taking over. And then well, as soon as they launched that app and stuff, like like it just came out of nowhere. We're just like, yeah. what the fuck is yeah. going on? Absolutely. And we're, for a long time, I was just like, is somebody on drugs? Like, <laughs> why are hundreds of people downloading this like two to three four year old? episodes i was like what's going on and then finally i just had to go hey man let's let's do it um anyway thank you very much for coming on the show rob we really appreciate it man it's been a lot oh, of fun. i appreciate it I, i'm gonna say once more the wisdom of maury living and aging creatively and joyfully i really think it can help a lot of people and you know i, I encourage people to check it out i also had a lot to do with the design of the book mm. so i tried to make it as colorful and engaging as possible there's a lot of color in the book there's a lot of unusual things in the book parts of it look like it's handwritten i wanted mm. to make it real personal people could get a feel for my dad because there's so much you know love for him and goodwill for him from tuesdays with maury so this is real insight into his mind if you wanted to get to know more of his thoughts this is the book for you there you go well it's yeah. wonderful to have you on available eight april 18th 2023 yeah, the exactly. wisdom exactly. of maury living and aging creatively and joyfully i always have to put the dates on stuff because people on youtube 10 years from now five years from right. now well, that's will be like that's an old book dummy it's not new and i'm like did you look at the date yeah, like, yeah. we we, we yeah. used to put the prices on our reviews and on books and stuff and it's available for you know 1995 and then some guy like two years from now i'll be like it's on 199 and i have this on you moron right right like that video is 10 years old dude yeah you'll <laughs> love this tuesdays with maury sold so many copies that you can buy it on like amazon used for like a dime now i'm not exaggerating <laughs> Sounds like my book. Uh, well, thank you very much for coming on, Rob. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, thanks to my audience for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortune's Chris Foss, uh, LinkedIn.com, Fortune's Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortune's Chris Foss. And for the show to your family, friends, and relatives, make them feel guilty and shame them if they don't subscribe to the show. I'm just kidding. Don't do that, people. It's not nice. Uh, and go to TikTok. Help us out of there because we're trying to be cool, and we're clearly not. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.